0: As well. And if you don't know who he is, I would love to introduce you to him today. You will be finding your way over to 2 Peter this morning. Find your way over to 2 Peter. We're going to be uh, in chapter 2 this morning. In chapter 2, and we're moving right along here in this uh, study together. And I uh, I can't believe we're singing Christmas songs already. It just, time has flown by. It feels like just yesterday I I moved in and it was 147 degrees on that day when I moved in. And uh, now we're singing Christmas songs. And so it just doesn't seem right. My wife is out of town this week. If you're wondering where she is, she's not uh, sick or anything. She's out of town. And so. Uh, because we're singing Christmas songs, don't not one of you tell her, and I don't, I don't. that's not good English, I know, but that's my English. No one tell her that this week while she's gone, I don't have the Christmas tree on, okay? You will get me in trouble, and so uh, when she gets back, uh, don't you tell her that I didn't have the tree on. She's probably watching this morning. Kim's already started it, so I'm already in trouble, but Second Peter, 2 Peter, I want to preach to you this morning uh, on a touchy subject, a subject that... Um, not a lot of people uh like to preach on that I know, and so uh, but I don't avoid these types of things. I feel like if it's in God's word it's for us, and so it can be used for us and and God is trying to teach us and and so uh second Peter chapter two today, uh, as we come to this point in in chapter two, we uh, begin to look at a farewell of sorts from Peter uh final thoughts of a fisherman is kind of what i uh, labeled that beginning last week. So we mo- we, we're moving into uh, Peter's final thoughts and his uh, last things that he desires and wishes to share uh, with those around him, as well as writing and sharing these final thoughts with us as well. If you recall that during our previous uh, uh, look at, at Peter's explanation here, he really challenged us to remember our foundation, okay? to remember our foundation and to recall the word and then also to remain faithful. That's how uh, Peter kind of kicked off that farewell. And so as we move from chapter 1 to chapter 2, we see the foundation, we understand the foundation and just how important it is to the church and to not just the church but to our families and to every aspect of our life how important the foundation is. But in chapter 2, he advances on and gives us a little bit of an additional warning into what can cause the foundation some problems. So we all, listen, I, I'm, those of you that know me, I'm not a builder, okay? If it's, if it's outside of Legos, I'm in trouble, all right? But uh, I, I'm smart enough to know that through a foundation, there are some things that can cause a foundation some issues, Right? Uh, water being one of those. I know we don't have this problem here, but back at home in New York City where I felt like I lived, every time I go back, it feels like Atlanta. But, you know, they would just build these subdivisions. I mean, just like crazy amounts of home subdivisions. Well, in order to do so, there would be lots of blasting that would take place, okay? And so I'm smart enough to know that every time my house shook from one of those blasts, that was not helping my foundation of my home. And so... Even though we may not uh, be able to to understand fully or grasp fully the, the strength and the integrity of the foundation, we do know some things that can mess up our foundation. So that's where Peter moves into in this second chapter. He's told us the importance of the foundation. Now he wants to tell us some things to be mindful of in the realm of watching and caring for our foundation. Now, I want to preach to you on this subject this morning. Deception leads to destruction you'll see it behind me deception leads to destruction now over in second corinthians and we won't go there for time's sake but over in second corinthians chapter 11 verses 13 through 15 it tells us that satan is a great imitator satan is a great imitator and he has been hard at work ever since he deceived eve he has not let up he has not stopped He's a great imitator. You see Satan will send false Christians, okay? Christians that are not true Christians. They do not believe a true salvation like we do. He will send and deceive us through these false Christians. He will uh, Satan will use and push a false gospel. He will sell you on a false righteousness and one day Satan will even present a false Savior and the Antichrist. We know that through His Word, through Scripture. God teaches us that. Satan will spare no regard to anyone or to anything to accomplish evil, including imitation, including false teaching. So as we get to our text this morning, if you're willing and able to stand as we read God's Word, I want us to look again, Second Peter Chapter 2, we're going to look at the first three verses this morning. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of the truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for what it means. Thank you for what it teaches us. Father, thank you that it is not one that uh, looks after our own interests, but it is after your interests. Father, I pray right now as we receive your word today. Lord, that you would just speak to us. And, Father, if there be any conviction, if there be anything in our heart that needs correction, that needs reproof, Father, that we would do business with you today. Father, I pray if anybody be here this morning that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, Father, that today would be their day of salvation. Lord, we thank you and we ask you to be with us now in a strong way. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, again, we see through these verses the false teaching. And the deception that surrounds us all today. You say, Well, this is just during the time of Peter. Peter's just writing this for for, for those that are around him during that day. No, my friend, I, I promise you, there is destruction, there is deception all around us today, and if we are not careful, we will find ourselves amongst it. Okay? Proceed with caution. Proceed with caution. Now, there are a couple ways in which Peter describes this false teachers and their characteristics. The first thing that he brings up here is deception. And you'll see that in my, uh, in my title of my, my, my sermon today. The first thing he talks about is deception. You will see that in verse 1 he talks about damnable heresies or another, uh, you could substitute that word for destructible it means a heresy that brings about destruction. He also uses that word destruction in this text as well. Let's talk about that for just a moment. The word that he uses for heresy here. Let's look at the word heresy for just a moment. The word heresy originally meant to make a choice. Okay, That's what heresy meant. It's not uh, how we use the word today. But originally, in, in context, the word heresy meant to make a choice. However, the the context in which Peter uses it here and also we see it over and over again through the New Testament has a little bit of a different context. That word that is used here for heresy and that we see in other places means literally a group or a party within a group. Okay, A group or a party within a group. Not just any group, but a group or a party that would bring about division and a divisive spirit, okay? Anybody ever known, uh, and if we got any visitors today, please know this is not us here. Um, I don't think yet. I hope not. But if we're not careful, if we don't stand on his word, it could be. But have you ever, I don't want you to answer this out loud, I just want you to think about it, okay? Have you ever known a group amongst a church to provide a problem? The answer to that for most of us is probably yes. Have you, if, if, if there wasn't, listen church, if there wasn't a group amongst a group, amongst a church that had division and divisive spirit, then there wouldn't be lost people that look at the church and say that they, that they um, are, are not living like they should be, uh, that they... Are, 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 are going to church on Sunday, but they're not living like it on Monday, okay? And so there are destructible heresies here. The word that is used, heresy, means literally a group amongst a group. And not just any group, but a group that brings about a divisive spirit. For instance, if anyone, if anyone in this church, and something you'll never hear your pastor say, if anyone has to ask you, are you on my side or their side that's division that's division we don't want that here if that's your heart if that's your spirit we don't want it here not interested i don't care if the tithe goes down i don't care you can fire me tomorrow but if you're going to bring about division because it's not biblical it's not scriptural nowhere in the bible where you see where division amongst people profits it just doesn't happen So when he's talking about these heresies here, he's not talking, he's talking about a group, listen, a group that brings about division. There is nothing that will kill a church. I've seen it my whole life. You've seen it probably as well. There's nothing that will kill a church more than a group of people with the wrong motive. Y'all have all heard of church splits, right? It ain't a church split if it's just one or two people leaving, right? It's a church split if it's a group of people that leave got quiet in here. Y'all must have dealt with that some. I know I've dealt with it in my past. I've, I've, I've tried everything. And, and let me tell you something. It's, it's hard to fight. It's hard to deal with because Satan is real and he, he thrives off of division. That's what Satan wants is division. He wants division amongst the church individually. He wants division amongst us and our surrounding churches. That's not how it should be, folks. That's not how it should be. So when he's talking about these heresy here, he's talking about a group that brings about division amongst a larger group. Deception is one of the greatest tools that Satan uses to divide the church. And he doesn't, church, let me me be honest with you, he doesn't just divide the church. He he will use deception to divide a family. He will use deception to divide a marriage. He will use deception to, to divide you between your kids. Deception is one of the greatest tools that Satan uses. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll fall into that same trap. You say, well, never me. Never me. I'll never fall in that trap. Let me tell you something. I can take you to person after person after person after person after person after person. I could go all day with this. I could take you on and on to different people in my life that I've known that at one time in their life said I would never allow Satan to be a wedge between me and whatever my family, my church. And yet he has become such. This is the same type of language when Peter's talking about this heresy here. This is the same language that it uses through the New Testament to talk about the differences in the Sadducees and the Pharisees, okay? See, a divisive spirit, just like with the Sadducee and a Pharisee, when you are labeled one, okay, when you are labeled one or the other, uh, it's, it's almost like a, like a gang, okay? You can't be, uh, I'm going to use some gang terminology. I know y'all may not be as familiar with this, but you can't be a blood and a crit. okay? Y'all y'all, y'all with me on that? All right, maybe a pastor. Maybe we shouldn't talk about the gang thing, but you can't be a part of, of, of this over here and this over here. You can't be a, a Sadducee and a Pharisee. It doesn't work like that. You have to identify with one or the other, so when you have a group amongst a group and, and, and it is division, brings about division, you can't say, well, well, uh, you can be with us over here, but you can't be with them. It is, it is, it is, it is one, of, and, I, and I'm preaching to myself this morning because it is one of the most dangerous things for any pastor. If he's not careful, he'll catch himself up in this and he'll begin to associate with a certain group of people Or specifically, group of you know these group of people, and what will happen is everybody else will become an outcast. I learned very early on from Brother Glenn. One of the first things he taught me through ministry is be careful in having close friends in ministry. Now I know right out of the gate you think, hey, that's that's that's. You need friends, you need support. Hey, listen, that's what what I have a church for, okay? You all are here to lift me up. I'm here to help you. That's why we're in this together, okay? But Brother Glenn taught me very early on. I I didn't understand this because I I grew up and I had a best friend and and him and I were close and we were like brothers and we were always together and we were always at each other's house. And so it was just natural. And as I begin to see my pastor, I began to think, why doesn't he have a close relationship with someone? And every time he would begin to, to kind of uh, gain friendship with someone, you know what would happen? Everybody else in the church would start talking about it. Oh, man. You know, Addison, he always hangs out with just Lance. You know, he's always doing this. He's always doing that. He's, uh, every, everywhere Addison goes, Lance goes. Now, that's not true. Y'all know that's not true. But I'm just using that as an example, okay? But I'm just saying if you're not careful, listen, if you're not careful... You, you should never be able to associate your pastor or you yourself with just one group amongst the church. Be careful about it. Verse 1, he also says, after he talks about these heresies, verse 1, he also mentions, who privily shall bring. You see that there? We're going to back up just a little bit from the heresies. And he says, who privily shall bring. Not only was their message false, okay, but their methods were false also. This makes mention of how they will do it, how these people with this mindset, how these people who are trying to be uh, divisive and have deception, how they will um, um, get this to happen, who privilege shall bring. So this speaks to their methods, how they will do it. Instead of openly declaring what they believe, oftentimes these people will use deceptive measures to introduce their ideas. I'm going to give you some examples of this, okay? What happens is they may sit alongside in the church, okay? They may, sit, they may be a part of the church for a little while. They may sit amongst the church. And they, they, they over time, they, they, they may uh, give a uh, good impression to you. They'll sit alongside you. They'll be faithful. But in reality, when given the opportunity, they will introduce their own false teaching. These that operate this way will generally follow the same pattern. Almost every time you say, well, 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 well pastor, what do we need to look for? Pastor, how do we need to caution ourselves? What, what is it that you look for when you're looking for someone that is deceptive or divisive? Well, they'll follow the same exact pattern that Satan followed in Genesis chapter 3. Let me give you that pattern, okay? And number one, they will begin to question God's word. They'll question God's word. Remember when Satan, when he was, when, when he was deceiving Eve, he said, yea, hath God said? Hath God said? When, when he's trying to tell Eve, when he's trying to persuade, when he's trying to deceive Eve, he will say uh, things like, hath God really said that? Or you'll begin to question God. You'll begin to say, well, well, well where is God in all this? Where is God in all this? Right? It may be a... a uh, a building project. It may be something that is completely unrelated. And people will say, people that bring about division and deception will say, Well, where is it in the Bible? What does God say about this? They'll begin to question God. They'll say, Well, if God was in this, then whatever. Then after they begin to question God, see, when you begin to question God, you're really opening yourself up for the idea of maybe there is, a, there is an incorrection or there is something incorrect with God's word, and that's just not the case. Everything I do here, I want it to be about what does God say? What does scripture say about it? What does God's word say about it? You wanna ask me any question? You wanna say, well, why can't women be deacons? Well, let's look at what God's word says about it. Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? Listen, when you begin to ask questions, okay? Now, listen, I'm not about... One thing this is not, this is not a dictatorship. I, I, I'm not a pastor that's a dictator, but I am a pastor that's going to go by God's word. Amen. And so when you ask a question, when we don't know something, we're going to go to God's word for it. It's not going to be because I said so, even though the parent in me, that really is what the, the parent in me, that's really what gets me going, okay? Because I've been programmed and told that so many times, because I said so. So when you begin to question God, then the second thing that you'll see happen is you begin to deny God's word. Well, I don't think that's really what God meant by that. What do you mean? You don't really think God meant whosoever? You you, you don't really think that God meant uh, uh, when when he he was baptized, he came up out of the water? So when you begin to question, you begin to eventually, you, you start finding yourself denying God's word. He did it to Eve. He said, Eve, you won't die. You won't die. Listen, the biggest deception, listen to me. I'm I'm going to try not to get too long with it here. The biggest deception that Satan will use to you is to tell you that your sin doesn't bother anybody else. You won't die. That's what he told Eve. It's okay. It's okay. It's not a big deal. It ain't bothering anybody. You may be here today. You may be a man. You may be battling a pornography addiction. You say, well, that's just bet- that, that's, that, that doesn't bother anybody. That's just my little pet sin. It doesn't hurt anybody. Let me tell you something. It affects your marriage. Let me tell you something. It, it, it affects everything that God said through his word, through lust, you say, well, well hey, it, it doesn't, but listen, that is what Satan tells you. It won't hurt anybody. You begin to, sub. what happens is after you question God and you deny God's word, then you begin to substitute your own lie. It's what, it's what Satan did. He said, ye shall be as gods. So we de- see deception first. Then also in verse 1, we see denial. Denial. What, what, what brings us to this place of destruction? What gets us closer to the place? We saw the deception. Next, we see the denial in verse 1. Even denying the Lord that bought them. See that there in verse 1? Even denying the Lord that bought them. False teachers and those that are, have division and deception amongst them, are often known more for what they deny instead of what they believe. They're known more for what they deny. Sometimes they deny things and they don't even know why they're denying them. They just know they're denying them. They don't know what they believe. They don't have a clue what they believe. I'm going to... Lord willing, I'm going to work through a a series that I'm preparing for right now. Uh, I don't know when it's going to be. The Lord just put it on my heart. But I, I I want us as a church to not just deny something or to believe something because we're told something. I want us to believe something because we know in God's word what it says about it. Even denying that the Lord had bought them. Oftentimes, these people will deny things like the inspiration of God's word. They'll deny it. They'll water it down. Listen, anytime you water down something, you're denying the pureness and the holiness of it, okay? They'll they'll deny things like the sinfulness of man, the sinfulness of man. They'll deny things like the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. They'll deny things like the salvation by faith alone. They'll deny those things. Later on in, in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, and we'll get there before long, as Peter is describing these people and, and their motives and their methods, he, he doesn't uh, refer to them as sheep like he does in a flock amongst us. He doesn't talk about them in the realm of a sheep, but he actually mentions them in the likes of dogs and pigs. He says they're like pigs amongst sheep. They're like dogs amongst sheep. Anything that teaches you that you were bought by the price of anything other than the blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary is wrong. It's wrong. You were bought and paid for one time. Bought and paid for. Listen, I've, I've paid off my car. Okay? My car's paid off. Praise the Lord. All right? But listen, if them jokers were to send me a bill tomorrow. To make another car payment, you think I'm gonna pay it? No, it's been bought for, it's been paid for. I don't have to keep making payments, right? That's what Jesus did on Calvary. When he went to Calvary, when he went and carried that cross on his back for you and for me, he did that one time. He doesn't have to do that again. You were bought, you were paid for. Listen, I know, I know in my heart, in my mind, sometimes I think, man, I'm so unworthy. I need to be paid for a couple times, right? That's how we think. I think, hey, I, I, listen, I'm not good enough that somebody could just pay one time. Listen, Jesus paid for you one time, and one time is all it took. So we see deception. Then we see denial is something they will use. Denial. Then thirdly, we see destruction. We see destruction. Look in verse 2 with me here. Verse 2, it talks about, And many shall follow their pernicuous ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Okay? Shall be evil spoken of. He, two things here, pernicious ways. And also we see verse 2, And many shall follow. These types of ways that Peter is referring to here are ways to promote a self-righteousness or a self-centered way through their motives. Church, let me tell you something. The day that this pulpit becomes about Addison Rogers and not Jesus Christ, you fire me, okay? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about what you do. It's not about how long you've been here. It is about Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, period. Everything we do, when we preach, when we sing, when we read scripture, when our kids get up here and do their play, everything that we do is about Jesus and Jesus alone. Anytime it becomes self-centered, anytime it becomes about me, listen, when it becomes about me, it's less about Jesus. I want it to be less about Addison. Matter of fact, nothing about Addison and all about Jesus. But this destruction that we see becomes and begins to be kind of a selfish outlook. So there's a, there's a deception that begins, we saw the first point, that kind of begins in your heart. That kind of begins in your mind. That's where Satan is kind of, kind of pulling and tugging on you. Then that denial part that we saw is kind of the part where it begins to actually be put into motion. And then we see the destruction. The destruction is when full-blown, it becomes about you and you alone. It becomes selfish. It becomes self-centered and not about Jesus. That's how false teachers and deception works. We know that their message and their methods are wrong, but here we see that their motives are wrong also. Their reasoning for doing what they want to do. The saddest part of this whole thing, the saddest part about this whole thing is not that people will want to do what it is that that, that they desire to do because we're all human. We're all, hey, listen, we all make mistakes. Nobody in this room is free from mistake, okay? We all make mistakes. We all have a tendency to do the things that we want to do, that we desire to do. But the most bothering, troublesome thing to me is when it says, and many shall follow. Many shall. Shall follow I want to give you an example of that this morning and 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 if you if you listen to these pastors or these preachers or you have an affiliation or you watch them on t v okay just go ahead and i'll I'll get your tomatoes out and I'll take them like a man okay but I want to read to you some quotes here from different preachers from different pastors that that I believe are false teachers, uh, just flat out, I believe they're false teachers, and I'm gonna tell you why based off some things they say here. The first one is John Piper. John Piper is, uh, 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 was pastor at Bethlehem Baptist Church. Let me tell you, by the way, just because you have Baptist in your name doesn't mean that you believe correctly or scripturally, okay? But he, he, he pastor at Bethlehem Baptist Church, and this is what he says. He says, the pathway to salvation is the performance... Well, stop right there. If we got to put on a performance, I'm out. I'm done. Okay? The pathway to salvation is the performance of works and trusting in the promises of God. Let me be very clear, church. There is no performance that you could do. There are no works that you could even come close to matching that will ever, ever be enough to take what Jesus did on the cross okay, and match it. Not even close. Not even close. But because of that teaching, because of that teaching, he has some 4,500 members in his church. 4,500 that believe that. Next, I want to tell you about Kenneth Copeland. Some of you may know Kenneth Copeland. Uh, Kenneth Copeland is is a, um, he has a television ministry, and uh, many people discovered uh, Kenneth Copeland during COVID because when you were staying at home and 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 uh, services were being canceled left and right, you everybody turned their TV on and and there was Kenneth Copeland and everybody had a big thing about Kenneth Copeland. I don't know if you remember this or not. Kenneth Copeland is the guy who blew on COVID. You remember that? I don't know. Some of you may not have seen that, but Kenneth Copeland he got on he got on TV and he went <sighs> COVID. And, 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 and he just, he blew on COVID and that was supposed to just make COVID disappear. And um, this is what he said about, that, that, that just really riled me up here. He this is literally, I'm not exaggerating, I'm not taking this out of context, okay? This is Kenneth Copeland. He said, do you know who the biggest failure in the Bible is? God. That's what he said. I said, Kenneth Copeland, if I could jump to this TV right here, I'd slap you upside the head with my Bible. That's what he said. And so because of his television ministry, he lives in a $7 million house on a 24-acre lakefront property in Houston. Then also, Benny Hinn. Maybe some of you have heard of Benny Hinn. I don't know, but uh, I'm probably getting in trouble today. It doesn't matter at this point, but uh, I'm already too far gone. But uh, Benny Hinn, he said this, and, and Benny Hinn has the most watched TV program He's the most watched televangelist. Uh, I'm probably getting kicked off Facebook right now for talking about this, but because that kick you off for anything now. But he's the most watched televangelist that there ever was in the history. And this is what he said. He said, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, each one of them is a triune. So he literally believes that there are nine, not three. There are nine, that each one is a triune. Well, that's nowhere in Scripture. Matter of fact, we know that, 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 that Trinity uh, and the triune is not even mentioned in Scripture. But last time I was up to date on my English language and my Hebrew, tri means three, not nine. And uh, also, if you, if you study God's Word, you know in Genesis that God is described as Elohim. Okay, That's the word that's used for God, as Elohim. And in Hebrew, anything that ends in am is like we say in try, uh, and it means literally three, okay? So the, 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 there's just all these false teachings, all these heresies. I don't want to get caught up in all this because I could go on and on about probably your favorite pastors and um, that, that are just some of the stuff they say and do is outlandish. So you need to be careful, okay? But we see deception. We see denial. That leads to destruction. And then fourthly, I'm kind of... Uh, piggybacking off of my last subject here, we see greed. We see greed also in verse 3. He talks about in verse 3 to make merchandise of you. Make merchandise of you. It has often been said that immorality, that the love of money, and that pride have been the ruin of many people. Don't ever chase those things. I'll tell you something, I, I've worked in the the financial uh, industry all my life. And I can't tell you the countless of people who chase money. There, there, is, there is nothing that money can buy. I promise you, if you, as soon as you think you've got enough money, you don't have enough money, okay? It's just a never-ending cycle. Don't chase money. Don't be about greed. Don't be about pride. Don't be about pride. Those that operate like this tend to flatter believers they, they tell them what they want to hear. They, they, they tell them the things that, that scratch their ears when they itch because they want to grow a, an offering or they want more money or they want to pull up in a Mercedes Benz. Don't ever be about greed. Don't ever be about money. Make sure if something happens 50, 100 years from now, you know, and 100 years from now, you better be looking for another pastor because I hope I'm out of here, okay, in 100 years. But anytime you, anytime you are looking for anything, young people, listen, if you're looking for a spouse, if you're looking for a soulmate, do not find you someone that has these qualities. Do not find you someone that, 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 that desires and strives to be about money or to be about themselves or to be flattery. Okay? And as far as pastors go, those are, not, those are not ministers. They are merchandisers. They're worried about the merchandise. They're worried about the money true teachers, true ministers, true pastors, true preachers have nothing to hide. Nothing. Nothing to hide. At any point, at any time, you all could uh, um, investigate, dissect, ask me anything you want. And I should have enough integrity that I don't have to hide anything. I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. Nothing to hide. That's the type of ministers that you should want. That's the type of pastors you should want. Certain things, uh, preachers will, listen, preach, I, I know, I know preachers who will not preach certain things because it will expose things in their own life. I promise you all, before I stand up here and preach to every one of you all every time I preach to myself first, I got to check myself. You say, "Well, do you, hey, there's plenty of times where I'm studying. I got to ask God for forgiveness. I'm not perfect. You all didn't. Call, I hope you all didn't expect to call a perfect pastor because I'm not perfect. Try my best, though. I hope you do too. I hope you do as well. But one thing I will never do. One thing I will never do. And I'm closing with this because I've seen it." It leads to destruction. One thing I will never do, I will never cater to anybody for money, period. I will not cater to them. I, I, I know a preacher that uh, he got a letter in the mail and this specific person wanted him to do a specific thing, a specific deed amongst the, amongst the community. He didn't believe it was right in his heart, but enclosed in that letter was a, was a check. Pretty substantial check. He said, hey, preacher, we'd love for you to do this, take part in this. It would, really, it would really show a strong message to the community and to your church if you would push this item, push this agenda. What they really wanted was they really wanted this pastor to, uh, to, to begin to push a, a specific thing amongst his congregation so that they would buy in and that they would go out and do it. And, and close was a check. Well, you know what that preacher did? He stood up on Sunday... He read that letter in front of his congregation and ripped that check up. And said, "I cannot be bought." Amen. Listen, same goes for me. I, checks. I love checks. Okay, I'm not, nothing against checks, but when it has the wrong motive. Okay, when the wrong motive is attached, when it's not with the right principles, when it when it's something that's scriptural, when there's a uh, when there is. Um, Uh, strings attached, I guess you could say. Be careful about those things. Be careful. We must remain alert. We must remain confident in what is true so that we can spot what is fake. Can't spot a fake unless you know this right here. Young people, hear me. Want to get married one day? Want to know what to look for? Want to know what the qualifications are? Want to know what you, need to, what you need to examine? Got to know this right here. Pastor search committee, listen, I, when, when y'all called me, and, 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 and I, I've seen it over and over again, I've seen it in, in many other churches through my whole life. Churches will sit down, they'll make all these, quali- they'll make a, a, a qualification list a, a mile and a half long. Can't have long hair. Got to trim your nose hair and your and your ear hair. Got to do this. Got to do that. Got to do this. Got to do that. This is all you need. It tells you right here. Any answer you want is right here. What you need to look for in a spouse. Want to know what's wrong in your marriage? Right here. Everything. Everything's right there. In... In the banking industry, when I began to work in the banking industry, I started out as a teller, like most people do, and I may, may have shared this story with you all before, and I'll probably share it multiple of times, so if you've already heard it, just nod and pretend like you had not But as I began to work as a teller, and this was during the time of the recession when I was doing this back in 08, 09, 2010, somewhere in there I was learning, and um, uh. Counterfeit money was a very big issue, and um, I remember they they would um, uh, they would te- they would <laughs> they would send all these books and all these manuals, and you would go through all these sit through all these trainings, and every one of them they would teach you how to how to spot a counterfeit. They would tell you what to look for, what not to look for. Hold it up to the light. You got this special marker that'll turn it a certain color. Yada yada yada. Well, every time they would come up with some new technology to help. Uh, prevent counterfeits. Well, the counterfeiters are two steps ahead of the people trying to prevent it, so they've already got it figured out, and they're on to the next thing. And so, you know, like, for instance, when they came out with those markers, they said, well, those markers will only work on dollar money. Okay, They'll only work on the, uh, the specific uh, money that is used for currency. And, well, what the counterfeits started doing is they began to take $5 bills and bleach them now, don't y'all get any ideas, okay? Y'all go home and start trying this at home. You'd get me in trouble for this, okay? But what they started doing is they started taking $5 bills and bleaching them and printing hundreds on top of fives, okay? So the paper was authentic. So you could take that little handy-dandy marker that, you, that they sold you for $29.99, and you could mark on that bill all you wanted to, and it would come back as authentic. Why? Because it was a $5 bill before so that's how, you know, they're always working ahead. And what I learned very quickly is that the best way for me to tell if something was counterfeit was to look and to examine the real every time. I began, over time, as I began to become more of an experienced teller and I moved into a lead teller, as I began to count money, what would happen is as I was counting the money, I, I, would, I could immediately tell if something was counterfeit. I didn't have to run a marker through it. I didn't have to hold it up to a light. I could tell just by the feel. Just like that every time. I'd say, oh, got a counterfeit. Oh, got a counterfeit. Oh, got a counterfeit. And it wasn't because anybody was trying to, to scheme us. It would be because, you know, we would, we would have a, a, a convenience store or something that, that would bank with us. And so I would be counting their money and someone would have schemed them, especially when gas was like $4.82 a gallon at the time. It would happen all the time. But the way I began to tell what was counterfeit was not by any technique, not by any kind of manual, not by any kind of 12-step, here's how to do it. It was because I was so familiar with what was real that I could spot a fake instantly. Tell you something, the same thing. If you are not familiar with what is real, you will have a hard time spotting anything that's not. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Church, right now, as we go into a time of invitation, you say, well, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm not one of those. If you're not careful, you could be. You may not be right now. But three, four years, three, four months from now, Satan may be putting something in your heart, putting something in your mind right now that is, brings about division, brings about deception. where you are right now in your seat. Pray. Maybe here in just a moment, you need to come down to this altar. You need to do business with with the Lord. You need to say, Lord, I, I don't... Lord, I'm tired of falling for your tricks. Lord, I've heard one too many times over my life that my sin won't hurt anybody. Lord, I've heard too many times in my life it's just my sin that it doesn't affect anybody. I know it does. I know it does. Maybe here in just a moment, you need to come down to this altar. you need to turn that sin over to the Lord today. Most importantly, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. you've never called upon His name, you've never trusted in Him. Won't you do that today? Here in just a moment, we're going we're gonna to sing. As we stand, you go ahead and slip out. If you, need to, if you need to come down to this altar and pray, here in just a moment, when we stand and sing, you slip out and you pray. If somebody's beside you, they'll be more than glad to let you out. You come on, lead us this morning. I'm starting at 307, 307. you need someone to pray with you, I'll be more than glad to pray with you. for joining the podcast of Clifton Baptist Church in Forrest, Mississippi. Our prayer is that you will be blessed by a message from our pulpit today. Thank you for joining us, and may God bless you.